I'm scared now. The next time I go to bench, it's just gonna fucking fall on my face, and I'm just gonna oh have. My I'm gosh. gonna be alone. Maybe like have a spotter. Uh, well, those are in short supply around here. When Casey's out, well, at Casey work, needs so. to be home at least, so <laughs> she's gonna come home to a dead boyfriend. Uh, I'll play it safe. I got yeah. a piece like quick. great. He really did die before thirty. <laughs> yeah. he always told me he was going to. I did. I, you know, <laughs> that's how I want to go. Dying under the bar. Hello and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered podcast. My name is Ro and I'm here with the gang, Nicole and Brooke. What up, ladies? Hey, hey. What's up? Hi, hi, hi. Well, no, what's, what's the other thing? Uh, it's like, hey, hey, hey. Now everybody say, way ho. It's like an old video, was it? I said a boom, boom, boom. <laughs> now everybody say, way ho. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we're starting off strong wow. we haven't even started drinking yet um i sure have oh okay well you have i haven't even mm. cracked mine open but um since you've already started brooke go ahead and tell us what you uh what you're drinking right now well i kind of made a weird spinoff of um i want to say it's called like bee's knees have you guys ever had it um yeah i think i've had a drink like that before it's like honey, simple syrup, gin, lemon juice. And then I just added, I didn't have honey, simple syrup due to a tragic mishap. So I have, uh, I did regular simple syrup and I did <laughs> lemon juice, mm. Navy strength gin. I, I whipped out the strong stuff while we talk about how alcohol is terrible for you. <laughs> and then I did a splash of sparkling water. Wow. So fancy. Wow. A splash. Just a splash. Just a splash. <laughs> what about you, Nicole? I actually pulled out Snoop Dogg's Cali Red. No way. <laughs> and I meant to I meant to bring the um cork over here because when I popped the bottle open, it's just like Snoop Dogg's face. <laughs> and I just died laughing, but this is what the bottle looks like. <laughs> oh my god. So funny. Is it um, is it good? It is really good. It's like a deep, a deep purplish color. Um, but yeah, I, I'm liking it so far. Very, very, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what the wine terms are. Okay. It's just flavorful and good. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's very whiny. I was about to say like hoppy and I'm like, that's not wine. Wine's not, Wine's wine. not hoppy. <laughs> like, do you, yeah, you sense Snoop Dogg coming out of the bottle, you know? Um... I can, yeah, I can, I can. <laughs> she says, yeah, I do. Sure. Snoop is with me. He is here. <laughs> We'd like to. And he's looking really <laughs> serious on, our, on this our bottle. Guest Snoop Dogg. Wow. Crazy. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> they say I'm going to tag him on Insta and see if he sees it. Oh, please, please do. do. <laughs> what is it? Wine. They say wine is the weed of alcohol. So maybe that's the connect. It's like, it's the brand, um, 19 crimes have you ever heard of it Brooke? yes okay yeah yeah so um on the back it says 19 crimes tells the true story of rule breakers who beat the odds overcame adversity and went on to become uh folk heroes in their society wow Wow. Yep. All right, listeners, are we the folk heroes to your to your society? Is that what we are? <laughs> Jesus. 
Uh, well, that sounds pretty cool. I feel lame now. Uh, I just have Voodoo Ranger. I I had that <clears throat> that one special flavor a couple months ago, but this is just your normal one. I'm trying to finish out that variety pack from Colorado, so this one's the last one. Oh man, I, I do like this one. It's just their their Imperial IPA. I think I saw um, in a comment somewhere, Kirsten said like. He'd have a an IPA in hand or something, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'll drink the IPA." <laughs> so, so shout out to you, Kirsten. <laughs> cool, sweet. So, we do have a question of the week before we get started. If you looked at the title, obviously you know that this one's about alcohol. But before we get into that, our question of the week comes from uh, Worth ninety seven. This person says. Diet soda has been around for a while now, but there has been a recent increase in companies producing zero-sugar drinks. Is there a difference between Diet Coke versus Coke Zero, for example? Um, and is either one truly a better choice? And the same goes for Gatorade versus Gatorade Zero. I'll tackle the Gatorade versus Gatorade Zero one first, because I think it's a little more clear-cut. So Gatorade Zero has no calories, no carbohydrates, no sugar. Uh, they actually sweeten it with sucralose, which is commonly known as Splenda. Uh, it still has electrolytes in it. It's got the sodium and potassium, which is great. However, if you use Gatorade to help provide a source of carbohydrate and calories, like I think most athletes do, then Coke Zero, or not Coke Zero, Gatorade Zero is not the way to go. But if you're someone who just wants something that tastes different and isn't just plain water and has electrolytes, then Gatorade Zero is like totally, in my opinion, a fine choice. It's just up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I looked on Coca-Cola's website and it looks like the taste is the only real difference between Diet Coke and Coke Zero. So Coke Zero was intended to taste more like the original Coke, whereas Diet Coke is a different blend of flavors, but they are both sugar-free and calorie-free. I think health-wise, like, I kind of read this question um, to be like, is Diet Coke better than Coke Zero? Um, And if that is the question, then... There isn't like a lot of supporting research when it comes to artificial sweeteners and that they are um, like in regards to them not being great for you. But I personally um, don't think it's like something you should drink all day long. Um, But if you do enjoy soda and like the taste of the calorie free options, I say go for it every once in a while. For me, I think... um, I really just love like carbonated drinks. So I used to be... Um, someone who drank Diet Coke or Coke Zero like all the time. But then when sparkling water came out, um, I started drinking that instead and just realized that I just really love like that beginning, like when you first pop it open, that fizz to just kind of like wake you up, get your senses going, whatever. Um, So I switched over to drinking more carbonated water than like Diet Sodas and Coke Zeros, but I still like will have it every once in a while. But um yeah, I think like health wise, I wouldn't be too concerned about like the artificial sweeteners just because there's not enough research to support it. Yeah, real quick, Nicole, do you um, do you drink like LaCroix and bubbly and all that stuff? 
Yeah, I think like anytime they come out with a new uh, sparkling water, I always try it. Um, I think there's one right now that's my favorite. I think Bubbly's my favorite and the AHA is my favorite over LaCroix. It was just LaCroix in the beginning, but now other waters are giving them a run for their money. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. That stuff is so gross to me. (laughs) It's like, really, you know, all those there was like a a string of memes that were coming out like a maybe early last year where it was like my question to people that drink LaCroix is like, have you ever had anything else? Because like that stuff (laughs) is gross. Uh, Things like LaCroix tastes like what uh, a white screen on a TV would taste like. It's just it it's just so lame to, to me, like. I don't know. I just I think I saw one meme that was like, it's like if you were drinking regular water and then someone was in the other room (laughs) screaming whatever flavor it was. And I'm like, I do not personally (laughs) feel that way. I love them, but um, I didn't love them at first. I do think it's something that you kind of have to like get used to. Um, Yeah. But so it's to me, it's like when, when you start drinking beer and alcohol, I think people are like, Oh, like it's an acquired taste. Like you get it. And, that opens up a whole lot of new doors because really you're just trying to get messed up. But like, why would you want to acquire the taste of LaCroix? <laughs> what's the, what's the <laughs> point when you could have so many other things? But I do agree with the, uh, with the fuzz or the, the fizz and the carbonation. Cause I didn't really drink much pop. Um, in like from college until now, but since Casey moved in, like she drinks Mountain Dews, uh, or Dye Mountain Dews for work. And she grew up kind of drinking Dye Mountain Dew. So now I'll have like one almost every day just because I'm like, oh, like here's something tasty. Like I'll have that. Um, but yeah, it has no no sugar in it. So it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. It just tastes good. So I'm chill about it. But I think I think it's good that well, you, you mentioned that there's no real difference between Diet Coke and Coke Zero. So. Well, when I looked at it, what I didn't realize, they're both actually sweetened with aspartame. For some reason, I thought Coke Zero and Diet Coke were sweetened with different mm. artificial sweeteners. It, uh, it's that the, because I know we talked about it this morning, uh, and then I went and looked it up specifically. It's that one has citric acid, and then the other one has, I think, sucralose. So it's just like the chemical makeup of the actual like drink and not so much the flavor, not the sugar part of it. Got so, it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird when you think about it, you know, it's like people are like, this is good, but I want it to taste just like Coke. And it's like, isn't that what they were trying to do before? They're like, no, <laughs> this is supposed to be different. So, but yeah. Well, what I thought was interesting is, okay, there's a lot of opinions about artificial sweeteners. Too, I feel like we're going to have angry people that won't agree. Come at, come at us. So well, I know Rose excited that we get into <laughs> this topic. Chose violence this morning. Chose violence every morning. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so uh, my issue with a lot of this is so you're going to hear things like artificial sweeteners cause leaky gut, they cause weight gain, they cause IBS, IBD, inflammatory bowel, sim, um, inflammatory bowel disease. Um, That's what I mean by that. They cause diabetes. But really, all of these studies, at least done in humans, are correlation studies. So it's really people taking a food frequency questionnaire about what they're eating and what their life is like and what health conditions they have. And then they're just drawing correlations. So that's not a real gold standard of a 
You know, it's not like an experimental design study that's going to tell us really any valuable information. Mm -hmm. And don't they say like correlation does not mean causation? Like exactly. I think Roe Ro has but, said that a lot of times on here before. It's just like, come on. But you see so many people trying to justify their stance mm-hmm. on that. And I just don't think it's legitimate. I really don't. Please, if you're listening to this and you have a legitimate experimentally designed study about this, please share it with us. <laughs> yeah. But I have yet to find one. The only really interesting one I found was actually done here right down the street at Duke. And it was done in rats. And they were looking at what happened when they gave them Splenda for every day for 12 weeks straight. And they did find in rats that it changed the makeup of the gut flora. I have not seen this done in humans. Um, I would be really curious to see what that looked like. So that's definitely a possible negative. But again, hopefully you're not drinking diet soda, you know, every day or, or eating Splenda every day anyway. And we can't confirm scientifically that this is actually something to be worried about as a human who has a very hopefully diverse diet. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you are, you know, if you heard broke just now and you're like, oh, shit, I have it every day. Like if it's one can right, or even maybe two cans and you're still drinking water and you're still healthy and you're still active, um, you have a colorful diet. Right. Then then it makes it even less relevant because you're not a rat that eats just sucralose. You know what I mean? So that's, that's really important. Um, and then also like, because it is in murine models or or mice models, uh, that doesn't exactly translate to, to humans. And so anytime we see studies for only done in rats or only done in cells, like understanding that the human body is this very complex thing has a lot of ways to deal with a lot of things you know, it always kind of makes you see those things with a grain of salt. I will say, though, uh, after working with my mom for like two years on her health journey and stuff, it was great. Uh, one one time she posted this uh, like this boomer meme. You know what? You know exactly what a boomer meme is, right? Uh, it's just like a picture with like words on it. It's not even meant to be funny. It's just like this is information. And so she posts this thing where it's like. Uh, diet has the word die in it and blah, blah, blah. And so, and it was like studies show that pretty much saying, you know, diet sort of gives you cancer and kills you. And I texted her right away and I was like, Hey, what the hell is this? Like, come on. Like we spent, we spent years building up your ability to like see through BS and like learn healthy things. And she was like, it's like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll take it down. And I was like, no, no, keep it up. Because I left, I left a comment underneath that was like, this is wrong, whatever. Um, but to me, it was, it was, we just had a conversation about how she'd been told so many times growing up that diet soda was bad for you because diet soda was going to cause cancer. Um, this was before gut health and gut flora, but now it's, you know, like kills gut health, gut flora. And again, I don't really believe in a lot of that research just because it's still so new. Um, but it was like something that she had held on to for so long that when she only once she was challenged by me being like, didn't we didn't we talk about all this? Uh, was she like, oh, right, that's right. So if you are listening and you are someone who has held these thoughts for maybe a really long time, uh, you know, obviously take what we say with a grain of salt. But understand that there is research out there saying that from all the evidence we have gathered so far, there are no long-term, short-term repercussions of having normal amounts of 
aspartame, sucralose, and, and different sweeteners. So don't, don't, you know, don't ruin that one diet Coke, especially if that's the one thing kind of holding you together. Yeah, I think it's worth noting the FDA says that five milligrams of Splenda per kilogram is safe a day. And I think that equates for most people to be like five packets of Splenda, you know, like, so the FDA has determined in their mind that like, this is a safe amount. So yeah, I think it's a personal preference. And like Ro kind of mentioned a bigger piece of the puzzle is like, what are you doing and eating and drinking the other 99% of the time? That's really what matters. I think that's a really good segue too, because we are talking about alcohol, right? And I know that like, obviously alcohol is not great for you. It also, you know, it is a poison. That's exactly what it does to you. That's how you get drunk, um, how it takes off the edge and everything. But before we start, I just want to talk about like how this falls into everything we preach about moderation and listening to your body and listening to what the data says as a whole and whatnot. So um, if you start to think about your own experiences as you listen in, that that's, that's awesome. Like if what we're saying is opposite than what you are used to and you've been doing it for a long time, then that's great. Like that's how, that's how your body works. That's how you react to alcohol and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to go ahead and throw that out there before we start. So we are talking about alcohol and athletic performance specifically. Um, so we're going to talk about different things like their effects on the body, nutrient absorption, uh, rehydration and dehydration, and then things when it comes to performance as well. Um, and what performance means, because it's kind of this big spectrum and different things will be affected by different volumes of alcohol. Um, so, Brooke, you know, how does how does alcohol affect our hydration status and what implications does this have on our athletic performance? So alcohol is a diuretic. Do you guys ever remember the saying when you're like younger in college, like don't break the seal? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I wonder if that's a myth. We should have looked that up for this podcast. Is that real bladder, or is that a myth? So my seal's always broken, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> But it is a diuretic, meaning it causes you to have to urinate more frequently, which leads to dehydration. So because of this, if you work out after drinking, when you're in a dehydrated state, it does decrease your decrease. I've only had a half a drink decreases your aerobic and overall performance. And that really has more to do with dehydration in that moment, not alcohol. So these are things to keep in mind when I'm always preaching, drink more water. Um, when you're dehydrated, a lot of different things happen. And just like in the most simple way, the pumping force of your heart is weakened and your body can't control the temperature as well. And this will also lead to accelerated fatigue. So all of these things will absolutely affect performance if we need our blood to be pumped to our muscles and we need to make sure we're regulating our body temperature, especially if we're sweating, hopefully. If that's off, that can be really dangerous. And no one wants to fatigue faster. You know, that's not a good goal. So that's kind of how this piece plays a role in performance. Brooke, when you say after, you know, what, what do you, what do you mean? You know, does that mean that, um, I have mimosas in the morning and I'm going to go lift later, or does it mean that I have mimosas in the morning and then 
tomorrow I'm going to exercise. Like, how, I guess, can you specify what that means or what after means? That's a really good question. That's hard to specify. And I'll tell you why, as I almost <laughs> knock booze onto my computer. Nice. Um, <laughs> so it depends because it depends on how you metabolize alcohol, how much you had to drink. Were you hydrating? Were you eating while you were drinking? There's like just so many other factors. I think the quickest way to determine if you had mimosas at brunch and you want to lift later, if you're ready to go, is I would just use your use that like urine test. We say all the time for dehydration, it should be a light straw color. That's ideal. If it's clear, you're definitely hydrated. But if it's a darker color urine, if it's got like an oranginess, a deep yellow, brown, seek emergency medical attention. (laughs) um, Use that scale to know if you're really ready to work out or not as far as being dehydrated. But I would say if you drank, you know, a moderate amount the next day, you should be good to go in that sense as far as being rehydrated. And I know later, um, I definitely want to talk about like strategies because I want to recognize like Rose said, Personally, I believe in everything in moderation. If something brings you joy, I think it can be worked into your life. I truly do. Um, maybe I won't make a case for like meth, but like everything else, uh, I think in moderation. <laughs> maybe maybe. Wow. You're like, yeah. a little meth is okay. <laughs> uh, I'm we took a joking. <laughs> but like, you know, for most things, I'm like, hey, you want to do that? And that makes you happy? Like, you know, there's a place for it that sure. can be done in, in a healthful way. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, very fair. Definitely don't do math, though. Uh, yes, please don't. <laughs> I'm, yeah, definitely joking, being sassy. Sorry. So, no, it's all good. So, uh, health unfiltered told me to do meth. That's that's real. So unfiltered. you can't arrest me. <laughs> um, this was medical advice. What I was gonna say. <laughs> so you know, you mentioned um, especially, and we'll dig into this a little later, but especially aerobic processes because that requires oxygen and requires water, right? And um, you know, you talked about it making it harder for your, your blood to pump. Um, but let's talk about motor skills, right? I mean, alcohol, we know impairs motor skills. That's why they tell you not to operate heavy machinery, you know, not to drink and drive. Um, I mean, even if you've like, just like tried to walk when you're drunk, right? Everyone knows that feeling. Um, but how, you know, how, how does that fit into, um, someone's athletic goals or, or health goals, as opposed to looking at it from like the, the cardiovascular component and digging more deeply into a neural component. Yeah. So definitely don't drink and drive, but this is why cops have your, um, motor skills. What do they call that? Sobriety tests. That's why these exist. So when it comes to your ability to perform, that means you're going to have a slower reaction time. It's impairing your precision, equilibrium, your hand-eye coordination, accuracy, balance, um, judgment, which, you know, might be needed, especially for sports. You need to be able to make, you know, mental, there's like a mental game in some of them. And your ability to focus is also impaired. And a lot of these, if you think about it, just to move a barbell, like your reaction time matters. Like, you know, these things matter as far as technique and your ability to execute things. I mean, I think they do. Um, Like if you are slow to flip things over, like doing an Olympic lift, it could mean, you know, (laughs) popping your shoulder. You know, it's like like these things do matter. Yeah. Yeah. Athletically. 
So what I thought was really interesting, what I was reading, these were studies done in college students too, worth noting, but they noted that impairments from alcohol when it comes to motor skills last up to 72 hours. And I think that that's something to keep in mind, especially if you're, you know, prepping for some type of an event where you like really need to be focused, like 72 hours is a long time. Yeah. Yeah, Also why you wouldn't just get... You know, go binge drinking before finals, which I've done before. But like, obviously, do not <laughs> condone. Um, Nicole, you have uh, a story about wearing drunk goggles in high school. What? Yeah. Did y'all ever have to do that? No. I- what? So in one of my like health education classes, they had this portion of the class that was dedicated to obviously teaching us not to drink. And not to do drugs. So they took us all out. In, they took us out in the parking lot and they had these cones set up and then they had a golf cart and they made us wear these goggles that impaired your vision and were supposed to replicate like what it would feel like if you were drinking and driving. And so I like remember focusing so hard because I just didn't want to hit any cones and was like, and that's probably what convinced me that I could, you know, have a couple drinks and drive home. Um, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had to do that in high school and it was, it was an experience. It was an experience. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I think we just had a, they just took us out to the football field and then on the track field they had a car that was just like royally messed up. It was like beat to hell. Uh, and there was just our gym teacher being like, you see this car? That's your future if you drink and drive. The person driving oh this car God. died. And we we're like, all right, well, Jesus. this is cool. <laughs> like, Don't all right, you you're just all love it when now, people so. use fear as a motivator? Yeah, well, you know, and this is a shout out to my dad. One time uh, we were, uh, this is not about drinking and driving. It's just about driving, but. Uh, I turned 16 and he was dropping me off at work and he was like, out of nowhere, just, you know, this, this, uh, this will be the year a lot of your friends die. And I was like, what the fuck? What? What? What are you talking about? He was like, yeah, you know, you're driving now. So, you know, if you lose some friends, it's just, yeah. And I was like, uh... (laughs) Okay, and he's like, "All right, have fun at work." And he just like drove off, and I was like, "Ro just cool. walks in, he's crying." I've been traumatized <laughs> since I was sixteen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so oh, I was gonna man. say that sounds like you might need therapy yeah. after all. Yeah, that. thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> no, so I didn't. I didn't have the drunk goggles. I just had a bunch of fear tactics, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so so obviously, like we know that uh, alcohol affects uh, m- motor performance. Uh, hydration and stuff, but like, what are strategies to avoid before we get into like how, how it can really affect you? What are strategies to avoid dehydration um, or some of these effects for those of us that do choose to uh, indulge in alcohol? Okay, I definitely have some, but it's based on anecdotal evidence. <laughs> Asterix. The best. The best kind. Um, so I will give you my super secret, amazing hangover avoidance drink that's very helpful after the age of 27. Um, when you're, you know, I think, well, a strategy I always do is if I'm drinking, I'll have an alcoholic beverage, I'll have a glass of water and then I'll have another drink. And I think spacing it out and just making sure you're being mindful of still drinking water is great. A lot of the times too, when you're social drinking, it's really like a hand to mouth thing. So I think it's like, 
okay, just alternate, sip some water. That's a great strategy. But my ultra hangover avoider recipe is 12 ounces of plain coconut water, no added sugar, just plain coconut water. It's got great electrolytes, half of the juice of a lime, and then a fourth a teaspoon of salt and a splash of OJ, mix it all together. And it having those electrolytes will help to rehydrate you faster. So I would just drink that before bed, go to bed. Hopefully you feel a little better in the morning and you can mitigate like some of that dehydration. Wow. People, I just heard like the world collectively like pausing and scrolling it down like, okay, 12 ounce plain coconut, <laughs> juice of half a lime. Um, <laughs> my, my answer is way easier. You just go and get that Pedialyte, baby. That, I love that shit. Uh, you just pound it right before bed. You pound it as you wake up and then you're good to go for round two, round three, round four. It's uh, pretty much the only way I've survived like trips to florida and tennessee and stuff so i'm all about <laughs> if it's good for babies it's good for us you know nice and easy once you've reached pedialyte level <laughs> that's when you know like you're reaching for extremes what do you mean? because <laughs> i had never had to use this method before until i met brooke Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Why you gotta so, do me like that? I'm just letting y'all know. Um, I was a hydrated bitch before I met oh this one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no. The Pedialyte is when you know it's serious. Well, what's funny is in college, just you do build up a tolerance like, oh, yeah. you know, anything else. And in college, it was a whole different, we're not even going to tell all those embarrassing stories. But nowadays, <laughs> I'm making my coconut water hangover stuff after like two drinks. That's yeah. it. I'm just because I don't You're like drink a jug it all. of it ready to go. You're like, yeah, this is just in case I decide to get crazy tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't had Pedialyte in my home for a while because I haven't done benders like that. But um, yeah. it used to be on Rose Weekly Grocery yeah. List. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're still PRing. I think the last though, time we good. needed Pedialyte was Jagger, Jagger's Bachelor Party. <laughs> God. Yeah, well, you guys needed a lot. Uh, that was rough. <laughs> a lot, we Jack. needed a lot after that. <laughs> Shout out to Jagger. Hope you're listening, man. Um, <laughs> Except he doesn't listen. He doesn't support <laughs> yeah. us. You're like, he's our best friend and he doesn't listen. Shout out to all my best friends that listen. Thanks, guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. What, if, I, if I look at it like, how are you going to beat out science? Pedialyte is scientifically driven. I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, but cool. So, you know, that that's right away. Like, obviously, we drink a lot of people drink a lot of athletes drink. It's funny you mentioned that um, the studies you were looking at were in college age kids. But there's so many studies that I was looking at. Uh, and I, I'm I exaggerated. There are not so many studies. There were some studies um, where I was looking at where college age kids are not kids, I guess, young adults would state that they drink something like 60% of them. Uh, and I think that it's much higher than that. Um, but they stated that they drank and that it didn't affect their performance at all. Um, and I really want to dig deep into, into what that means and how that could be misconstrued because, you know, these studies just say like performance. Like, does that mean their soccer drills, their football games, their time in the weight room, specific sprints, because all of that does play uh, a different role. Uh, and alcohol does affect all of those things in different ways. So I know that, uh, Brooke, you put out 
alcohol like in your uh, or had an alcohol talk on your Facebook live uh, this week. And I released a TikTok on Facebook or on uh, alcohol and how it can affect your performance. And we talked and we we're like, oh, we got some different different studies and ideas here. But I think really it comes down to how they are separate performance things. Um, so let's start off right off the bat. I'll let you go first for this insanely heated argument we're about to get into. Uh, <laughs> how does alcohol affect strength, power, and things like sprint performance? Okay, so my consensus and belief is that it decreases strength, power, and sprint performance. Um, and the studies, that the measures that were used were grip strength, jump height, and time to fatigue during like high intensity exercise sprint intervals. So that's kind of the measures like, cause you mentioned that does matter. And I know you're going to get into this later about the whole mTOR pathways and everything, but I want to explain my reasoning for this. And it actually doesn't have to do with in that moment, what your body is doing. And it's more of the cascade of effects. So when let's say you strength train and then you go have a couple drinks after you're increasing the damage to your muscles because you're not repleting glycogen stores. You're not rehydrating. These things affect then in theory, you're going to have more muscle soreness. You're going to diminish strength and power through not properly fueling your muscles and allowing that tissue rebuilding process and that recovery to happen. So that's how it would lead to a decrease in strength, power, and performance overall. Yeah, so I think if, if you look at it from, if you zoom out and look at it on a, as a training block, right? If you are, you know, two, two out of four sessions a week, you're drinking, right? Over time, that's going to that's gonna really affect your ability to perform. It's going to affect your ability to get those um, adaptations that you're seeking when it comes to sprint training, strength training, power development, all that stuff. Um, so that's first and foremost. I think you're absolutely right. Um, it was interesting, though, because when you zoom in and you look at what happens at, in an acute setting, um, there actually is a lot of evidence showing that there is no real difference. Um, and obviously, important to note also that they use what, what would a, you know kind of be five-ish beers you know, if you're used to drinking five-ish beers, of course it's not going to affect you. If you never drink and then you decide to do five-ish beers, you're going to be affected. But understand that strength and power are anaerobic processes. So they don't need oxygen. They don't need water. And the motor uh, part is there. Like, obviously, you, you need... That's the only part that works in that sense. But alcohol has less of an effect on that than aerobic processes like running a mile, a 5K, obviously a marathon, and even stuff like sprint development and sprint power, which is stuff that you mentioned. Um, it depends on how long that's lasting, right? If it's a sprint of five seconds, maybe it's not going to make a difference. But if you're doing, you know, two minute sprints or which shouldn't be called sprints anyway, but if you're doing those, then yeah, that's, that's really going to, to affect it. Um, so is as you move towards anaerobic work, which is going to be your lifting, that sprint work, power development, alcohol is going to have less an effect than as you move towards aerobic work, which is more your cardio, stuff like that. Um, in studies that were recently published, they were 
2020, 2018, and 2019. And if you want, if you want them, just hit me up on Instagram or hit up Hoth Unfiltered Pod. I can just send them your way. Um, there was a lot of data showing that uh, it doesn't decrease strength. It doesn't decrease power. Um, and that is based on them drinking 40 minutes post-workout. So what they did is they would work out. They would, you know, drink either a placebo or alcohol. And then two days later, they would come back and do that same test. And obviously, you're going to see decrements because they would do a test and eccentric protocol to just kind of induce muscle damage and then try to do it. So there's you're going to be worse because you're tired. But even when you did when you had alcohol, there was no real difference. I think it's really important to note, though, that this is like significant difference in the scientific term, right? If somebody says you're going to have a 10% decrease in maximal strength, but it's not significant compared to, you know, whatever, uh, in real life, that's 10, 20, 50 pounds. That's, that's a decrement. Like, sure, in a scientific standpoint, it doesn't matter or it didn't clear the, you know, 0.05 cutoff. But if you are trying to max out or really push yourself, then yeah, drinking a day or two before is going to potentially impair your ability to do that. Now, even if it doesn't, your ability to recover between sets is really going to get hampered. So overall volume is going to be decreased because, yeah, maybe those first two sets, you're like, okay, we're good. I got this. It's fine. But then every exercise after that, you're just not recovering the same way because you are dehydrated, like Brooke said earlier. You are uh, working with less capacity from a motor standpoint, and then also your muscles are just starting to, to fatigue more. So really, really important that you understand that just because it says it's not going to affect you in the literature, uh, it's, it might still affect you day to day. Because those people aren't doing, you know, four by 12s for 15 sets. They're doing vertical jumps for three sets. They hit it. Cool. I got my data. Right. But would they be able to repeat that for an hour, hour and a half of training? Probably, probably not. So in those studies where you said they came back two days later and they did the test and there wasn't a significant difference. Mm -hmm. How many times did they do that? Was it just that in that moment or did they repeat that a series of times to see if you're repeatedly doing this? What happens? Yeah. I, th so it was just a, a one-time thing. So really, you know, they, you do the, the test, you do the treatment, which is going to be that eccentric protocol where they just create muscle damage. So just a ton of squats or something. And then at the end they give you, water and it was it was really funny because obviously like when you drink vodka right you're like oh this burns i know what this tastes like like what they did is they put vodka on the rim of the uh of the bottle but like it still doesn't burn on the way down so, so you know it's water you know <laughs> what i mean so like you you can tell especially if you drink um and then the, you know, two days later, they came back, did the same test to see if there were any decrements. But it only, yeah, it only happened one time. And so that's what I meant by if you zoom in, yeah, like there's going to be no difference. But if you zoom out and you're doing that, you know, two out of the four times or even consistently doing it once a week, that's 25% of your training 
that you're going to work at a decreased capacity. Um, so that's a really important, really important thing to, to understand and, and to make as well. And it's good you brought up the difference between athletes because I did read some in cyclists where it's kind of funny, but they did this study where they made them cycle for 60 minutes and then gave them alcohol and made them keep going. And they basically were just measuring power output and how it's different when you're using these systems that require oxygen. Mm -hmm. Definitely in the literature, it's noted, okay, there's a very significant decrease um, in power output or, or different things. So that also matters, which kind of is like a nice segue into what I would love for you to dive into a little more than your 60 second TikTok. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a question though. Well, like who sure. is signing up for this? Yeah. Who's <laughs> signing up for this torture? So, <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta understand like people sign up for anything. Like we have people that sign up for muscle biopsies where they get a chunk of their leg taken out to look at, uh, you know, what's happening at a certain level. We had people walking in a heat <laughs> is chamber. Is this what you're going to give your body to row? Is what? <laughs> Is this what you're going to give your body to one day? You're just oh, like to research everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't put me in the ground. Put me up in a museum for be like, this is, this is what Neanderthals are. <laughs> by the way, this is not a human. Uh, no, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like people sign up for a lot of weird things just because they want to know her or like we have good rapport, rapport with them. Um, like Brooke talking about cycling for 60 minutes and then drinking alcohol and then continue. Like I'm not doing it without alcohol. Like <laughs> okay. I'm just very confused. <laughs> well, we had, we had a, uh, we were looking at, and this is published now. Uh, it is like, um, what happens to mitochondria when you just like kind of train in the heat. So people for a hundred minutes sat in our heat chamber and just walked on an incline. Like they did that at 5 a.m. And I sat in there with them going, how do you feel on a scale of one to 10? Good. Okay. <laughs> What's your heart rate at? Good. Okay. And just like awkwardly talking to them. Now what's even better is that they had rectal thermometers in the whole time. So they just had no. this, they just what? had this little tail and I would, I would take the oh. tail, I would plug uh. it in to the box and say, all right, there's your core temperature. Cool. So yeah, there's Holy a lot of like shit. how we understand these things is, is, is I wild. I think this is like, this is like some sort of kinky thing. Nope. People like, I don't, I don't do they, that. do you pay them for this? Yeah. So, I mean, academia is weird. If, if we had the money, <laughs> then we would pay everyone. But for some people, it's just like, there's no real benefit for you, but it would help us answer. And people are like, cool. Um, I think for that one, they did get like a 50 or a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. Um, but you know, walking twice, just shove a thermometer up their ass. No, and no, make no, 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 we don't do it. They do it themselves. But yeah, well, I can see row recruiting like, Hey, I want to stick something up your butt. Yeah. <laughs> no, he'd be like, Hey, you want to participate in my research? And then he starts explaining. He's like, um, well first I got to shove this thermometer up no, your ass. No. Then you got to come to this steamy hot room. Yeah, it's, well, it's not steamy, but it is very hot. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. I just need to know like what's going on in these people's heads. No, yeah. I, no, that's, I have that's, so that's many questions. Fair, yeah. I mean, the people like, bro, that, if someone told you to run a marathon next week for research, you wouldn't do oh, it. Yeah, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't sign up for that. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> but like if, if there's stuff that where you're looking at like muscle stuff or like what's happening at the cellular level, like I would sign up for that. Because that's more of what I want to know as well. Um, yeah. But no. Don't, <laughs> You're just like, don't we don't need to know that. about this running stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Go ask uh, my buddy Jeremy. He, he knows more <laughs> about that. Um, 
Well, Ro, will you break down more of, you know, these you kind of hinted at on the biological level of like the processes that happen. Can you talk more about the mTOR pathway and how it's affected by alcohol? Yeah. So um, I think I think first for for people who know what mTOR is and for those who don't, uh, mTOR is really just a process by which we get protein synthesis. So a lot of us know mTOR as either um, cancer cells, which is bad, uh, but most of us know it as um, gains, which is, you know, muscular hypertrophy. So this is how you get more muscle is through this process of the mTOR cascade. Uh, I think before we thought it was like the answer. And now we're understanding that it's just part of the answer. So it doesn't play as big of a role as we once thought, but it still plays a very, very big role. So that being said, uh, alcohol and resistance exercise, because resistance exercise is mostly what is going to increase the mTOR pathway, play different roles. Alcohol is going to decrease protein synthesis and then obviously working out, lifting weights is going to increase it. And that's the first thing. Um, one of the, the coolest things that I found when I was looking up this stuff is that there is a sex difference in how you are affected by alcohol based on the mTOR pathway. So there was a study done by PAR, um, and I think this was in 2015. I really should have pulled it up. But so they found that... Um, Alcohol decreases mTOR and protein synthesis, um, but they only found that it was mTOR and not its downstream pathways. So there's this whole system that is like very redundant. So if, excuse me, if one thing doesn't work, we have another thing to make sure that it works. So mTOR is above this process called S6K1, and that was still active. So they were like, yeah, it it might hinder mTOR, it might hinder protein synthesis, but this other process takes over. But the study that I looked at that was released in 2020 said that that only happened most likely because they gave an amino acid to their participants just to make sure that there was an increase in synthesis. Anyway, fast forwarding to this one in 2020, um, it does affect mTOR and it does affect S6K1, which in the grand scheme of things just means that alcohol obviously impairs your ability to gain muscle, to gain strength, because that's all part of the adaptations there. But for some reason, we have no idea why, because we barely understand the mTOR pathway. Women do not get a decrease in protein synthesis, um, either at mTOR or at 6K1. Their levels were not depressed when compared to males. I don't even have a guess as to why that is a thing. I don't know if it has to do with like specific, you know, alleles from when you're born or just because you tend to have more type ones. Like I have no reason to make an educated guess, but I thought that, that was really, really cool. And then after I had said I was going to like argue, argue with you, Brooke, uh, I just kind of looked at it some more. And they, they came out with a study in 2017 uh, where they looked at females and their inflammatory processes uh, after working out when they had alcohol. And it even found that they had no difference in inflammation. So 
I don't I don't really know what that could mean. I know that when you pull out, what it means is that like women, you get to drink and you won't be as hampered or you won't see as much of a um, diminished return on your gains if you are to drink and exercise. Um, obviously, like we said, if you do it long term, there's going to be a problem. But on the cell level, there doesn't seem to be any sort of difference, which is really cool. I want to find somebody who has the answer to why. Um, but yeah, something to kind of blow my own mind right there. That's so crazy. I think this is honestly scientific evidence that females are the superior sex. That's what I just heard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, there's, one there's here, a so. lot of supporting, supporting facts for that one. <laughs> I think, you know, I think what it means is, and I, I do agree with this, that women can deal with more bullshit in general and in life than, than males can. And, and that's it. There's, there's the cellular evidence that I needed and pain. Yeah. That, that's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just so interesting because, you know, when you when you exercise, we've talked about before how it does create an inflammatory process and it's a it's a good thing. You need those for adaptations. The the increase in inflammation that happens when you have alcohol when you are a male is not a good thing. Right. It's extra inflammation inflammation that's just going to hinder and not help that. But the fact that females don't have that like doesn't make any sense to me but also helps us realize more that like women are not just men with hormones you know what i mean or with more hormones like they are their own thing and it is possible that the hormones are what's playing a role because of how alcohol is uh synthesized and how it's metabolized like do i know anything about the relationship between estrogen and alcohol? No. Or any other, you know, uh, hormone that females tend to have more of. But that could be the reason, that could be the reason why. Um, so you two can get smashed, and I can't. So. <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> just you're like, just don't go, don't go mixing too much. <laughs> it doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> we've learned that the hard way a couple of times. Yeah. But you know, so, so now, now that we've talked about how, how men are, uh, <laughs> we're a bunch of wussies, um, affected more <laughs> by, by alcohol. And then also like women obviously are affected by it. You know, what is, I think we should talk about like, what that does to the recovery process, both after exercise and recovering from like maybe an injury or being sick? That's a good question. So alcohol isn't great for recovery. It's what's funny is this is a popular thing, especially if you've run races or <laughs> you do a run club or a bike club. It's like really common that afterwards you drink. Uh, it's just satisfying, honestly, after a long race. <laughs> but it's really not great for the rehydration process. It doesn't provide any nutrients. Um, fun fact, alcohol actually is its own thing. It's not like it's a macronutrient. So actual pure alcohol is seven grams per calorie. It's metabolized differently and everything. So pretty cool. But what that means is you should actually, because realistically, um, I'm going to still enjoy beer after a long run because why else am I running? <laughs> but what you should do is you should have a nice big glass of water, 
grab a snack, hopefully that has carbs and protein, then go enjoy your beer. That's how I would play that just to make sure that you are trying to help yourself with that rehydration and, and getting in that fuel to restore glycogen stores and all those good things. Um, as far as injury, there is some evidence that says alcohol will cause a greater increase in swelling upon injury and can contribute to delayed healing and delayed wound healing, um, which is, it's kind of interesting when we know that inflammation is sometimes a good thing, how that plays a role. But basically, from what I read, it is a negative effect and delays healing. It doesn't actually like speed up healing because there's more blood flow and inflammation to heal what needs to be healed. That's not exactly how it translates. Yeah, I mean, you could also argue that there there's less blood flow, right? Because if we are talking about it being a diuretic, right, then what you're doing is you're, you're releasing fluid from a closed system. And then now the heart has to work more and that's energy being taken away. And then also you can't deliver those nutrients because there's less water in, in the bloodstream um, to actually send to the, those injuries. So that's a really good, really good point. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird because, and I know this is kind of going off topic, uh, but like there's a lot of sports psychology research that I didn't dig too deep into, but I saw that said that some athletes will, you know, drink alcohol so that the stress and anxiety is not affecting their performance. And so, you know, that's not something that like I have to deal with or I've ever dealt with, but it's kind of one of those things where like at what point are you like, like that's kind of like a, a balance, right? Of like, am I going to lose 2% of power here? Sure. But if I can go out and do this, what, what does it really matter? And definitely like that's getting into like dependency and addictions and stuff like that, which we are definitely not qualified to talk about. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, when you look at it kind of from the performance aspect and then also injury and recovery, and then also like what what's what I'm looking for? Psychological, I almost said psychosis, uh, psychological like reasons, then those are different <laughs> things you have to play with, with as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have, have you ever, have you guys ever like been on vacation and just like drank a ton, but also like had the best workouts of your life? Because that was me in Pigeon Forge. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> this was like, uh, I mean, it was still in college. I doubt I could do it now. But we went to Pigeon Forge for um, spring break. And it was like negative 30 that that year in Chicago. So when it was 20 degrees in Pigeon Forge, we were walking around in like T-shirts and shorts. And it was like the best <laughs> thing ever. But. I mean, we would just like drink all the time. And then we went to this like CrossFit box who was letting us be there for like $5 for the entire five days we were there. And that was like the best lifting I'd ever had in my entire life. We would just like get absolutely smashed, wake up. I don't think we, I was drinking Pita Light at that point, but just having like heavy breakfast, driving an hour to the gym, lifting for an hour and a half, driving an hour back. And we did that for like five days straight. And I like PR'd on everything. So... Do you know, what are, what are we saying here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, sometimes I think it works. like when I was in college, especially undergrad, that was definitely still like the peak of my fear of foods and different things. So I was just like so focused on 
whatever activity I was doing at the time, it was mainly running. And so I would never drink because I knew like, if I'm going to go run tomorrow, it could possibly like screw whatever up. And so I was still very like afraid, I guess, of drinking alcohol, especially if I was working out the next day or whatever, which I typically was. So I think that was definitely something I had to kind of like also just like process on my own and like come to understand, okay, you can drink the night before and like, yeah, maybe your workout may not, may not be as great tomorrow, but you kind of just have to figure out like what your body is saying and what it needs. There's also the the sacrifice you were making at that point, right? Like I'm choosing. Uh, yeah. I mean, to we run. can call it that, but it was also just like <laughs> just <laughs> kind of obsession <laughs> and fear and like all these things. No, that's fair. But it's yeah. cool. We're good now. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I normally lift on Sundays today. I didn't cause I'm still so sore from snowboarding. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, Saturday nights I'd be like, mm, like I'm not, I'm not going to drink tonight because I have to wake up tomorrow. So I, I totally mm-hmm. get that. Um, I'm glad you're better now. Uh, <laughs> and can, and can enjoy stuff. Yes. I mean, my liver's probably like, okay, what are we doing? Like so much, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> That's fair. We're just, it, it all evens out. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> like exactly. We went from no drinking and then we were like, okay, we're in grad school and we need something to make us happy. <laughs> and now we're in the real world and we're still processing. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, we're qualified well, to give advice because we lived it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And now we know. Yes. That that's how that works. By the way, we're here. We're here to just we're here. We're here to help you not make all the mistakes we made. Yes, broken <laughs> broken people are the best people. Is, is the best way to put it. That's why we're so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trauma. Please, please like us if you think we're funny. Uh, yeah. So you know what? I guess going further on that, what are the effects of like chronic alcohol consumption on the body? Not great. Um, that, that's the, the overall. Thank you for that's the for overall tuning in. Away. Um, it will depress your immune system and your immune function. Uh, it actually leads to nutritional deficiencies, which can be really scary. Uh, it alters your digestion and the way you absorb nutrients and how you metabolize them. Like that's a big deal because there's really serious consequences to nutrition deficiencies. Um, also noted is muscle damage, wasting, and weakness. This is due to protein synthesis being impaired and that fueling refueling process being impaired by those digestion alterations. Yeah. The main thing with, um, this is berry, berry, right? Brooke, have you ever heard of berry, berry? <laughs> what? Bro. That sounds like a, so it's a, a disease band. called berry, berry. <laughs> it's, um, spelled B E R I B E R I. Okay. And it's thiamine deficiency. And so oh. I actually saw a case of this when I was an undergrad and, or yeah, undergrad, which was really rare because it's, it's pretty rare regardless, but I hadn't even like started my internship yet. And I remember the dietitian came into the kitchen because I literally was like the girl who served trays <laughs> to patients. <laughs> and she was a like, necessary part of our healthcare system. Thank you. Yeah. But okay. She was like, um, do you know what Barry Berry is? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. And she was like, we just got a patient with Barry Berry. Like, do you want to like see like what it is or <laughs> whatever, learn more? And so, yeah, it was like basically this patient had 
only been consuming alcohol as her main like nutrient source. And so, um, that causes thiamine deficiency, which basically like your whole body shuts down and you can still like feel, see, talk, but like you are just like laying there because like your body literally cannot function. Um, so it's very interesting. So if you're at that level, <laughs> that's, that's a really high level, very rare, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like very, very, look it up. Uh, it sounds like a very, very bad time. Um, yeah. So like in, in extreme cases, uh, what else can happen? Obviously we just talk about like very, very, but like aside from, you know, what's, what seems like a rare disease, like this is stuff that happens to like normal people who just drink too much. Um, can we talk about that for a bit? So what's super crazy is there's pathological changes to the liver, the heart, brain and your muscles, all of which can lead to really serious disabilities. Um, obviously I think we associate the liver with alcohol more so, and we would see that a lot in the hospital, unfortunately, like the cirrhosis and, uh, mm-hmm. how that would affect the body when you can no longer filter out what needs to be filtered out, keep in what needs to be kept in. It's not good. Um, and it's definitely something to keep in mind, I think, I, you know, I mean, I think that our society deems alcohol as socially okay, but it's definitely something we need to remember is not really meant to be put into our body and to enjoy it in moderation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like you can die. (laughs) It's like the most extreme thing, you know? Um, I think it's, it's, one of of two drugs that when you stop you can die from a withdrawal right do you remember what the other one is it's alcohol and i think like uh meth i think it might be i think it's benzos is is it like you can die from withdrawal benzos all i know is for sure alcohol is one of them so obviously you've gotten Mm -hmm. in like that deep and and i you know I, i i hope no one out there is like suffering and struggling from that but also understanding that like having a drink here and there generally does not make you an alcoholic so keep enjoying if you were enjoying responsibly obviously we we, this whole podcast is about like drinking and talking about uh (laughs) health and nutrition and and exercise and fitness but like that doesn't mean we're getting like smashed on the daily or something um so yeah just just be careful about that uh we did we did we kind of talk a lot about how like chronic and long-term use but like does anyone have any idea of like what that breaks down to like at what point are you like chronically drinking that's a really good question i I, well i know that the (laughs) cdc defines it as two drinks for men one drink for women but i don't know how often what how often is that like daily like but that's the thing is like that they say per day but i mean if you're doing that every day i feel like that's still not moderate yeah uh, i mean yeah I, I don't think that's moderate but but i also know that it's like i think for the most part it's okay if you have like a glass of wine every night i don't i don't know if that was just like something i was told growing up though from like people who like to drink <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and i mean like but it also i mean some people will drink 
four ounces of wine would like, that's not a lot, mm-hmm. you know, even if you were drinking like six ounces, which I mean, the normal glass of wine is probably going to be between like four and six and that's not a lot. So yeah, I think something like that is totally fine. But if you are having close to like a bottle a night, then I think that would probably be in the definition of, um, over drinking and, um, (laughs) yes, yes. And the, the chronically definition. (laughs) Well, I pulled up the U S standard drink size and it's not what anyone serves in my opinion. It's 12 ounces of beer is like one beer of 5% alcohol. And then like four wine and then two of like a shot. It says five ounces of wine, so at least there's that. But still, that's not a lot of wine. Yeah. I like my wine, okay? (laughs) It's not a lot of wine. Eight ounces of, like, a malt liquor beverage, gross. (laughs) 1.5 ounces of distilled liquor spirits, which is exactly Mm. what I put in my drink. Look at me being moderate. Wow. I had it one (laughs) whole beer. Dude, I don't know. Are we going to, like, get into this? But do y'all remember... how long it takes for your body to process one standard drink. Do you remember learning that? I don't. What I don't is think it? I learned that. No. So per drink, it takes an entire hour for the body to process the alcohol that you've consumed. So if you drink two drinks an hour, it's going to like that. If you drink two drinks in one hour, it's going to take two full hours before all the alcohol is like processed out of your system. Um, is that why I they tell you that to like college. space it out? Like one hour yes. or one drink an mm-hmm. hour? Because if mm-hmm. you, if in like, it's sense. different. So that 12 ounces would be a beer and then five ounces would be wine and one shot would be liquor. So if you pound four shots in five minutes, one shot an hour. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) exactly. So how many times have we just like put our body under this like pressure and strain? (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So if you drink, if you have four shots in an hour, you technically should not be driving or doing anything important for at least four hours. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, you know, that if we use the CDC, then it's, it's likely that they probably use something like the, the 70 kilogram male that we always reference. So it's going to be different for everybody. If you are a yeah, smaller female, right, you're going to have less generally. If you are a wasted, yeah, if you are a bigger <laughs> male who has a lot of fat, right, then you you can just drink more. Uh, another interesting thing is I don't I don't know how much science there is behind this. I'm sure there is. But I had cousins that live in Denver uh, who did drink a lot. But every time they came to visit us in Chicago would just like drink way more. So I don't know how much altitude plays like an, an effect yeah. I you know specific to alcohol but that's that's something to, to understand too if you live very high and you go and visit someone in New Orleans and you're like oh yeah I'm not even drunk even though I have like six beers and by now I'm toasted or whatever that that could be a reason a reason why as well but I don't have the specific answers to why so but very cool so I mean Obviously, we all have goals. I think most of us that are listening are are trying to do some sort of body composition goal and we like to drink. So, you know, how can we fit alcohol into achieving our 
specifically um, goals for losing weight, gaining weight, losing muscle, all that stuff. So I'm a big believer that it can be worked in. Like, obviously, some alcohol is pretty calorie dense, but that doesn't mean that it can't be worked into zooming out, like, let's say for a week. I would not recommend consuming alcohol daily for anyone, but especially if your goal is weight loss, because it's really just empty calories. You're not getting any nutrients. If you're already in a calorie deficit, I always recommend having a good big volume of food. So if we're taking away a chunk of calories for alcohol... It's less food. It's just not something I I recommend for a variety of different reasons. But the drinking itself will not cause you to gain fat mass, if that's a concern. It really is kind of this calories in, calories out type thing that we've talked about before. Yeah. And and I think also, like, you won't feel good if you're consistently choosing alcohol over a salad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you have to have greens. You have to have nutrient-dense food. Um, I think it's also... Worth noting that, um, dang, I just blanked. Oh man, it's the alcohol. Dang it. I can't think. My my motor neurons are not. <laughs> just not keep working. massaging your brain. Yeah, I'll I just keep rubbing my Central head, nervous like, system. Come on, you got it. <laughs> and, oh, that's what I was going to say. I got it. Yes, brain massages work. Uh, what's different, like, what does one drink to you also matters? If I have a shot as my one drink, cool. Let's look at the calories in that are obviously not the same thing as the brain forgetter 9000 Voltron whatever that you get at some bar that has like, you know, sugar, syrup, like (laughs) margarita mix and all this other stuff. So, yeah, my 120 calorie beer is not the same thing as a 500 calorie margarita. So as you start to decide, you know, what you're going to give up in place for that beer for that day, like the more fruity drink type of thing you have, the more you have to take away if you are going to look at it strictly from a caloric balance. And I know that I think I can speak for all of us, uh, That's not a good thing to do continuously, Um, especially if you are opting for those heavier calorie drinks. Um, And then what's a what are things I just thought of it? Bushwhackers. I feel like those are pretty big at Mississippi State. Don't they have like cream in them? Yeah. You know, it's like this, this like white colored. It's like a milkshake. It's like an alcoholic milkshake. Like, okay, think about that. An alcoholic Mm -mm. milkshake. Probably Mm -hmm. not not calorie friendly or whatever. Um, but again, all this stuff is in like moderation. So if you're going to do it every now and then, cool. You know, one day is not going to throw off your entire weight loss plan. But if you are consistently doing it, that's where we see a lot of those, you know, uh, people not reaching their goals and stuff. Oh, my God. First of all, I looked this thing up. It looks delicious. You've never then, had a bushwhacker? I feel like I have. I mean, it it sounds amazing. And (laughs) the nutrition facts are 1,142 calories per (gasps) serving. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Uh, You know what I mean? Are you going to give up half of a pizza for that? Maybe. I don't know. It depends on the And it's all carbs. It's like 120. It's all carbs. 109 (sighs) grams of sugar. Oh. 126 grams of carb. 
you're gonna feel like Dang. shit after drinking this. Yeah, so that's even yeah, that's I would the just, worst thing too. Yeah, for sure. I would just highly encourage everyone to I mean, I loved like learning how to kind of mix drinks at home. Because <laughs> if you're leaving it up to the bartender, who knows what's in it? Um, but I mean, yeah, you really can add a lot of flavor to drinks and not have to add like the the sugary mixers or whatever. So it really is just like, what are you wanting to get out of this? Like if you're wanting to be smashed and also have like a stomach ache, I mean, <laughs> go for it. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely walk up to your bartender and go, can you stevia please? Um, I heard it's not <laughs> bad for you. Just so. put some lime in there. <laughs> yeah. I'll just take, take it straight. Uh, I'll take it with a shooter of Pedialyte as well. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> That's going to be us the next time we see each other. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to be like, is it okay if I take us on a plane, sir? And I'll be like, um, yeah, we're we 40 it. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not any longer than that. Let's, let's go, <laughs> let's go pandemic. Um, <laughs> so for the people that have, have made it this far, have learned, have heard all this, um, but but that they like booze, you know, like they, they want to find balance and they want it to be moderate or they want to live it in moderation and all that stuff while working on their fitness goals. Like, how can we fit that in? Like, I know we just talked about it, but like, what is some really good explicit advice that we can give to people who are trying to be healthy, but also want to drink every now and then um i mean definitely what i just said experiment at home with your own ingredients <laughs> nice. and figure out what you like but um i also think you just have to continuously like remind yourself how do you want to feel and I think alcohol affects all of us differently because I know some of my friends who they'll have one glass of wine and feel like shit for two days and I can mm -hmm. have three glasses of wine and feel fine. Maybe that's adaptation. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, if alcohol is something that just makes you feel like trash for multiple days, just kind of assess that. And if like you're okay with that and you can push through it and that doesn't bother you, then obviously continue to like do this in moderation. But, um, maybe that's a deal breaker for you. Maybe you're just like, no, like it's not worth it. If I'm going to get up tomorrow and not be able to focus and not be able to engage with my friends or family or work out or whatever it is. Um, I think you just really have to weigh the pros and cons and, um, determine like what moderation is to you and what makes you feel your best. Yeah. Yeah. I think moderation being like the, the whole key there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about how if your main goal is weight loss then figuring out what that fits in your nutritional plan and nutritional lifestyle and all that, um, is rule rule one, right? Because we know that that's, that's the main thing. If you are eating more than you are burning, especially for having a thousand calorie bushwhackers on the regular, then you are, it's going to make it very, very difficult to achieve your weight loss goals, body composition goals. As far as performance goes, you know, um, if you are in a deload week, maybe that's the right time to, to drink just because you know, you don't have to show up and push it heavy. And it's about, you know, uh, reassessing how your body's feeling, seeing how things are moving. Like I'm not saying going at smash and lift, right? But if you are going to have a couple beers, then maybe do it during that week or one where volume is not high. Um, 
if you are going to start a new training block or about to start new exercises, if it's something you haven't done for a long time, we know that it's going to cause um, soreness. We know that it's going to be harder. So why would you want to make that even harder and make yourself even more so sore, especially if you're a male, by having alcohol? So that would be a time where you wouldn't want to maybe engage in alcohol or definitely binge is when you are switching into a new training block or really just kind of prioritizing something else. Um, and, you know, it's about moderation, like like Nicole said, and like we've all been been saying, uh, definitely do not drink or anything if you are competing. And if that competition is really important for you, because one of those days, you know, in the grand scheme of health, it's not going to matter. But one of those days in the grand scheme of competition could be the reason why you didn't get what you wanted to get out of it. So make that decision. Cool. So really great conversation uh, that, that we've had about alcohol and, uh, you know, how we're still good people because we drink um, and we're still able to work out and stuff. But enjoy your life. Enjoy the alcohol. You know, keep drinking when you listen to us. If you do do that, send us your, your beer stuff. <laughs> but um, I do want to say that we are all accepting clients. Um, me, exercise and performance. Uh, Nicole is all about intuitive eating and health at every size. And then Brooke uh, specializes in athletic performance and weight management. So if we've gotten to episode, what is this, 17? And you're like, wow, maybe I want to work with them. <laughs> Hit us up. Let us know. You know? Um, we'd love to figure out how we can fit alcohol and happy into your life um exactly but, yeah, yeah we're just trying to get you to <laughs> be drunk all the time no don't do that um <laughs> but cool thank you for listening so much continue to and if you haven't already follow us on health uh, on instagram at health and filtered pod um please keep sending us awesome questions when we got today was really cool i think we got to dig a little deeper when it came to uh, aspartame and diet cokes and stuff like that um, keep leaving us comments keep sending us texts like we really do enjoy that if you are uh, listening on a platform that allows you to rate and leave comments please do that um, rate us share us leave a review all that stuff really does help us um, and it it gets us excited for coming back and giving us uh, a reason to to talk and kind of look outside of what we look at on a daily basis um, if you would like to learn about or hear about something else that you think might be cool, send that our way too. We're always kind of looking for new ideas. We want this to be a podcast for you. Um, and it, it excites us to, to learn about new things that we haven't thought about. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening so much. We will see you next week. Thank you for the support. We really appreciate it. And with that, we'll go ahead and sign off. Cue that motherfucking music. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, we almost went a whole pod without cursing.